0: conversation that we've had over the last, man, five, six weeks now called Culture. And our goal with this series was to find a way as the church to be the church outside of the four walls of the church, okay? You're like, but Justin, we have more than four walls here. I agree, but you, it's, it, you know what I'm saying. Uh, the goal was to be effective for you as the priesthood of believers, to be effective And your personal ministry outside of the church. It's easy to show up on Sunday to the holy huddle, put on your best game face, your best praise face, and show up and get your amen on or your oh my, and walk out and be like, that was great. The Lord was there. But you were supposed to take him there, okay. So we're, we're, we've we've hoped that we've equipped you in some ways, you know, with our Q and A panel discussions. We hope that we've equipped you. Uh, as we started, you remember with the life of a man named Moses who was not perfect, which I love seeing people that are not perfect in Scripture because I can identify that much more. But someone, you know, again in Psalm ninety. That was trying to help us understand by way of the Lord to to number our days, understand that we will not live on this earth forever, okay? So we have to be very careful and, and, and intentional as to what we do while we're here, but also that he has favor upon the work of our hands, you know, and it's really cool to see, guys, looking back over the last four years, five years of even our life, you know, and, and it's, it's been a lot of crazy stuff. But we've watched the favor of God upon our lives as the Myers family, but also upon your lives as the Foundry family, because we know that we do not have forever here and we want to make a difference and we want to be selfless versus selfish. So we got that understanding with Moses as he helped us understand you will not be here forever. Make sure that you work hard to to forward this message, this good news message, okay? But also, we understood that when things are tough and rough, that we have a stronghold, a fortress that we can run to, Psalm 91, that we can run to the Lord, that he is our safe place in the midst of struggle. And then it was great because Noah came, missionary to Tanzania, him and his wonderful family, and helped us really begin to get a good understanding in the book of Romans from the life of Paul as to how we are supposed to cross culture without crossing culture, right? They were supposed to be cross-cultural, that we're supposed to go places to folks that we've never been before within this culture right here, okay, but not cross them simultaneously, okay? So it's just being open and aware and alert as to what's going on around you, so important. And then again, we did our Q&A discussions that were great as well. So now we find ourselves at the end of a series, you know, and, and I love the conclusions of conversations, but sometimes it's bittersweet because I enjoy talking about these things a lot with you. I, I enjoy conversing with you about how we make a difference in our community. It's important to me. But my thought process goes to this thing, how do we make this last, right? How do we go beyond today, the end of a series? Yeah, that's online, there's podcasts and all that kind of stuff. But how do we make this last? How do we make this love that we've come to find within our hearts and in the Lord to make it last? Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, maybe when you first started dating, but I remember when I first started dating Kara, okay? And oh my, I'm, you know, how many of you guys started dating someone here recently? All right, raise your hands. Maybe in the last six months or so. You're not, okay, there. Thank you for not having shame in your game, okay? All right? It's like, I'm proud of that girl. You should be, brah. She is, she is a jewel. Parents say amen, okay? And he is too, all right? See? Mm. Welcome to the founder. You find your fit and your love, All right? But I remember, I remember vividly when we first started dating, She and I've told y'all this probably before, but she came down, to, oh, it gets me a little emotional, but listen, she came down wearing her little, her little Gap sweatshirt, her, big, her little puffy hair, because that was big then. All right, all right, it was big, it was the deal. That's what the girls did from Washington, PA. They did the hair like that, okay? And I remember her just bopping down there, and I was just like, dang, girl! And it was like, you get all excited, inside. You know what I'm saying? Like those butterflies are just inside your body. Right. And I remember that. And now we're still madly in love. You know, things change only for the better, but it's like, we fall asleep on the couch sometimes. And I look over and I'm like, yeah, she's fine. And then we wake up and then we don't even say anything. We just go into bedroom and, and just like lay down because I know the love is good. Ain't got to worry about it. We're fine. But don't you remember how you just wanna make that stuff last forever though? You're like, inside again, you know what I mean by that? We think about this as we wanna impact culture. How do we not forget the love and the compassion that we've developed for them as we've gone through hard conversations like we have as a church, as a family? You know, how do you continue to love people and make love last that is different than you, you know, that you don't agree with, that you don't understand? How do we continue to do this? And it's really cool because Paul talked about this in detail. And we started this conversation with Noah and Romans 12, but we're going to continue it later in just a couple of minutes. He talked about this in detail and he put it in a, a, a simple sentence. But what I want to do first is make sure that they understand why was he writing this, this letter to the people, to the church of Rome? Why was he writing this letter about this three Christians love kind of thing? Why Why was he talking about this? Because see, these are these, these first century Christians that that out of Pentecost went and and started this church down in Rome and you got these Jew and you have these Gentile folk and Gentile just means non-Jew. So you got like this chosen people in society's eyes and you got these people that aren't good enough in society's eyes, you see what I'm saying? And he's like, okay, we've got to bring this together and keep the church moving forward kind of thing. So he writes to them and what he tries to do and he boils down this message in this letter, that's what Romans is as a letter, they call it epistles. That's the church word, but it's a letter that he wrote because he was trying to introduce himself before he got there, okay? Wouldn't that be nice if somebody did an introduction before they get there versus they show up? You know, you're cooking dinner or something like, they didn't call you, they didn't tell you they were coming, they just show up. Well, Paul is trying to tell them that he wants to be with them and come and visit them and do life with them, but he wants to make sure they know some things about himself First, And one of the things he wants to make sure is that he sets the context, Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about all of us, Jew, Gentile, everything across the board are the same because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Okay. The faith in what Jesus did, his life, death, and resurrection, that it's for me, it's for you, it's for everyone. Okay. And that's what he wanted to make sure of. Okay. So then we see ourselves moving a little further along and we get to Romans twelve nine. because what he did is he went to them. He said, I'm going to write to you now, Romans twelve nine. That's what he wrote in the letter. I'm joking. That's, we did that later, okay? He didn't say, all right, Romans, I'm going to put a chapter right there, God. And this will be a verse they can go back to you later. No, this is for us here today. Romans 12, 9 through 21 will be our context. But what we're trying to get at is how do we as the church have lasting love? Love that lasts when Kara walked down the ramp between those two dorms, her little bobbling self with her big hair and her little gap sweatshirt. And I said, hello, it's me. You know, that was it. How does that last? Romans 12, 9 through 21. He simplifies it pretty easily here with the first verse saying that love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. I'm going to read on. We're going to come back to that, but I'm going to read on. You can follow with me on your screen. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling, grab a hold to, don't let go of what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Two Two word sentence, so important. We'll get to it more later. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Another short sentence packs a punch. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's a big one too. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here we see a a, a big, major part of this letter that he wrote to these folks that he wants to express something very important, and he starts it in a seemingly small and insignificant way, saying that our love must be sincere. How will love last? How will you get inside beyond today, beyond the series or putting the podcast back on How do you feel lasting love for those in your community? How will we remain in this love? And you see that if our love is sincere. That's what Paul is saying. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but love being sincere, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at how we remain sincere in our love with a few points that I want to share with you. And then we're going to share communion together in just a moment, which we're really excited about, okay? So, how do we remain sincere in this love? You see that Romans 12 9, it must be sincere. How do we do it? Romans 12, 13 makes sense of this, but the first thing we have to do is have a hospitable heart. How do we remain sincere in our love? How do we keep that love going forward? Having a hospitable heart. Romans 12, 13 is the verse, but the context starts at 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never lack in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it is hard to be hospitable, isn't it? Are you feeling that? Because when you look at this context of Scripture, you see being devoted to one another in love Man, sometimes I don't want to see anybody. Right, honor one another above yourselves. You want me to get low? You want you want me to g- low? You want me to get low? I'm not. No, I'm not feeling that. I don't want to. I don't want to put somebody above me. I want to be the chief. I want to be on the pedestal. I want to be on the stage. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Never be lacking zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, this spiritual fervor that is connected to serving the Lord, not a spiritual fervor that is about you being on the pedestal or you being on the stage, but you taking a lowly position of servanthood. And that's how Paul even started the whole letter, a servant of Jesus Christ. That didn't make sense to people for a Roman to say that I am a servant because he is a free man. But yet he says, even I subject myself Okay. Even I come up under Jesus's rule in this way. And I am a servant. Okay. Being up under, how about this? Be joyful in hope. Have you ever had hope deferred? You ever felt like your hope wasn't being realized in life? You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's what scripture tells us. You feel like it's just like this never going to change. But how do you conjure, if you will, how do you build up? How do you create joy in the, mix of, in the midst of a hopeless situation? you got to go to the one that your joy is found in, right? It's so important. And people are watching the way you respond when your hope is dashed and when you feel as though there is none there. Patient in affliction. Okay, how many of you are patient? Raise your hand if if you're a patient person. God bless you. Everybody else, welcome to my world. We're together, right? Raise your hand if you're not patient it's a cloud of witnesses. It totally is. All right. It is so hard to be patient, let alone in the midst of affliction. You know, my brother, he was sweet when we were kids. He would like mess with me and just flick me like this. Okay. Does it start to hurt yet? Okay. Cause he was making me stronger. All right. Do you feel the affliction yet? Do you feel the affliction yet? Are you feeling it yet? It's starting to hurt, right? Okay. <laughs> did you feel like you were patient right then? Or do you want to punch me? He said, I wanted to handle you, okay? I was gonna handle you the ministry of the laying on of hands, okay? What's about to happen up in here. You're gifted, come on, somebody, all right? But faithful in prayer, man, you're asking, you're petitioning, you're asking God, come on, God, but still being faithful to pray. All of these things build up to someone that is hospitable. Why? Because hospitality looks like you welcoming in somebody that you wouldn't typically entertain. Can I give you a slight news flash? When we change places, we're going to have to change how our faces, that was fresh off the, respond to what we see around us. If you see homelessness come into your church, you say, smack the seat beside you and say, come on in. You see what I'm saying by this? It's us having a generous attitude toward others. That's what it means. A generous attitude towards others, welcoming people in in such a way that you wouldn't typically welcome them in. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Can I get an amen? Yes, it does. Have you experienced it that way? Have you experienced homelessness? Listen, I'm confronting it myself within my own heart. How will we handle that? How will we handle if a drug addict, how will you handle if a prostitute walks in and she is wearing prostitute garb? What will you do? you will be hospitable. Come on in and sit down. Please sit next to me. I am so glad you're here today. I am so excited that you came to the foundry, the best place on earth. You're a part of the family. You don't even know it yet. Hospitality. Are you with me? Being hospitable is so important because you may only get one opportunity to do that. When you look in the Greek, it says love to strangers. Now, my mom and I, we have absolutely no problem whatsoever walking up to strangers, do we? Yeah, ask, ask our, my kids too, does dad have a problem? He's talking again, you know? <laughs> Literally, that's what they say. He's talking again, all right? Yeah, family knows best, you know? And it's like, but I just love him. I don't know all your names, sadly. I'm really sorry. But there's a lot of you. And there was another service before you. But I still love you. I really do. It's weird. It's really weird. Because if you were to call me and I didn't know your name or your number, you're like, hey, can you come here and help me with this? Yep. Yeah, it's like, would whoa, whoa, what happened? I love you. Right? That's what's so important about hospitality is giving love to strangers in that way. Not in a creepy way, but in that way. Second part, how do we remain sincere in our love? Keep conceit in check. Romans 12, 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with with one another, right? Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low, low, low position. Do not be conceited. I try to drill this into my kids' heads all the time. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice with those, you know, I'll say it all kinds of different ways. Why? How often are you intrinsically completely happy for somebody else when they are blessed? Hashtag blessed by the Lord. Not very often when somebody else gets the new house or the new car or the new shoes, just put it in your terms, whatever that looks like at your stage of life. You know, what do you do? What happens though, when somebody's parents pass away in a freak accident or someone loses a job or they lose income or they, they lose something and they're in mourning. Do you go into mourning with them? See, our goal here is to not have a conceitedness is talking about having a highly favored opinion of oneself and putting yourself in that high position as well. It's this us looking to others first and entering into their struggle and their suffering with them so that we can help them get closer to him. Living in harmony with one another. This was fun in first service, okay? You know, you came into a worship environment where everybody was playing together. Wasn't that nice? Have you ever been in those situations, maybe like if you've gone to the orchestra? Anybody ever been to the orchestra before? Isn't that fun? Have you been there before they started playing together? It's the woodwinds and... It's like, there's percussion, you know? It's like, can you just get it together? That's what I'm saying in my mind, because I'm like, this is not harmonious. This is terrible. Then all of a sudden, oh, it all comes together. And you're like, yes, that's what I came for. See, in life, we're here to bring harmony, to get up in a situation and say, the woodwinds are out, totally, wow. Somebody got to do something here. Strings, you got to tune that up. You are redonkulous. Percussion, that's just racket. You know what I mean? Can we just, and then all of a sudden the conductor, he's like, and he just goes, little, you know, those t- tail things. You know, he has those tail things. And he just goes. And everybody's like, yes, somebody has control. And then he begins to create harmony. And in our lives, when we go up in situations, we're there. This is what it means to bring harmony. Peace to a situation, to bring, you know, order, you know, to bring this to help to construct, to plant a seed and and, and help to till the soil even beforehand and then to water and to cultivate this. We're here to bring this to the world, but you can't if your opinion of yourself is too big. If all you see is you, you'll never be able to see somebody else in it. Okay? Third thing is this. How do we remain sincere in our love? We be a people of peace. I've already alluded to it a little bit. Romans 12, 18 is the scripture that we focus on, but the context starts in 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone right? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written in his mind to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, go ahead and feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you he will heap burning coals on his head because he's just like stuck with this type of face. like what just happened? See, our goal in this whole process, if it depends on us, is to bring peace to the place. If it depends on you, If it is is or is not even your call in that space, you bring peace to that place. It's so important. When somebody does evil to you, what do you want to do? You start plotting, how may I get back at them? You know, you're like whiteboard session in the stuff in your basement. You know, you're like, "Mm, no, I'm not evil enough. (laughs) Option B, you know, because what they did to me was so dang evil. There's no way I can give them that little bit. I'm really planning something great. You know what I mean by that? We don't repay evil with evil. We allow God to vindicate situations. We allow God to be the one that defends his kids. We went through one of the hardest seasons ever 12 years ago when I lost my father. Okay, we, we had a son, our first child, and they asked us to come be at a church You know, that six months later they asked us to step down from as youth pastors. As we moved our family, did all this stuff, and they said, "Um, your services are no longer needed here kind of thing. Do you think that was rough? Moving your family, new child, just buried your father. You know what I'm saying by this? Do you think that was a little bit tough? Do you think I was at a lot of peace here? Do you think I wanted to repay good for evil? Do you think I want to be like, oh, you're hungry? Here you go. You know what I'm saying? No, I didn't feel like doing that. Not at all. But I had a mentor in my life say to me, listen, God is your vindicator. God is the one. God is the one that will take care of you in this. So you keep the right attitude. You Bring peace. What did I do? I helped them transition in that church so that they could bring in a new pastor. And like Paul said, I dusted my feet off and peaced out, okay? And went to the best place ever after that for seven and a half years in Ellicott City, Maryland. If I didn't keep, make and keep the right heart and mind, that wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have been here. See what I'm saying by that? Make sure you bring peace to the place. If you can, you do it as much as possible. Be a people of peace. Living at peace, again, that same idea of cultivating it, planting it, helping it grow, and then you can create harmony from that so it's not like, it's like, all right, are you with me? The conductor, the tails, peace, okay. And the last is this, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna transition here with, uh, to a time of communion so our worship team can come up. The last point that is so important, so very important. It's extremely crucial for you to, to think about this morning and, and to re- remember. We're about to do something that is what we do in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us, okay? What is so important is this. How do we, how do we remain sincere in our love? How do you do it? How do, I mean, there's a lot of things you gotta look beyond to remain sincere, right? Are you with me? How does this happen? You remember... Your repentance. I remember my repentance and the process. You're like, what, what do you mean by that? Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, I think about Paul in this situation. This is so important. They're going to start handing out communion. So if you start seeing it come down the road, just take it and pass it down and just keep it going, okay? Um, how, how do we do this, okay? Thinking about Paul. And I think about the life that that Paul had before he was Paul. His name was Saul. Do you remember that? I don't know if you've read that before or know anything about that. But we hear about it in the book of Acts. This is what began to happen after that day of Pentecost and the church began to grow and people began to catch wind of what God was doing. And there was this man named Saul then that was known as someone who was persecuting the church, which means he would be someone that would come up in this space and ask every single one of you, are you a Christian? And if you said yes, he would put you in the truck and take you to be persecuted, to die. That was who Saul was. Well, he was on this road to Damascus doing just that breathing murderous thoughts, right? Like it was, his, it was his breath. It was who he was. He was a murderer. He was trying to just kill and annihilate Christianity because he was a good Jew. He didn't want anything to mess up Judaism. They want to mess up what was going on and what they've had going for so long that this Jesus guy was coming in to ruin. So what happened to him on that road? What happened to him is Jesus appeared and then he was blinded. He was blinded by the light in that moment so that he could not see anymore. Simultaneously, God was doing another work in a man's heart named Ananias. And what he was doing there, he was saying, look, something just happened to Saul. And I was like, hold on, on. you're talking about Saul, the persecutor, the one that is trying to single-handedly take out the church, if you will. He's trying to cut us off at the feet so that we can't move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus appeared to him and is changing his life. He's turning himself around through Jesus. He's repenting of his wrong. So what I need you to do is help in the restoration process. That's not fun, is it? God changes somebody's life in your sphere of influence. And sometimes we don't want to be a part of the restoration. It's too ugly. But God, I mean, come on, Jesus, like, you know who he is. You know what he stands for in society. And if I take him under my wing and try to do this restoration process, who will I be then? Associated with that murderer? Associated with that guy that was trying to single-handedly kill Christianity in this way? You you want me to bring him in? Yes, absolutely. See, this is what we have to do. If we want this sincere love, this self-dying love to, to continue on and to perpetuate into our culture, You have to be willing to die to yourself. You have to remember your repentance so that others can live in him. Paul would have never become Paul, right? He would have still been Saul if all this wouldn't have happened this way. It took someone to believe. But what you gotta do first, and this is so important, this is when we partake of communion, this is important for you to understand that you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Culturally, what you might do is just pass the plate like it's offering. This time you pull out. You don't, put, you don't put stuff in there. You're just pulling out some juice and pulling out. No, no, no. This is real stuff in a way that you have to make a decision to follow him. You have to. Because the Bible says you're putting judgment upon yourself. Why? Because you're not understanding the point of repentance in your own life. Where you turned from self and you turned to him. That's what repentance means. You're going in one direction. You stop and you say, God, forgive me for what I did do that I know of, but for the things I don't even know of. Forgive me, God. Okay, through Jesus, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm walking toward Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. That's what it looks like. I know this has been really complicated throughout the years, hasn't it? That's what church seeks to do most of the time, complicate things. You just turn. So that when you partake of communion, you get to do this in remembrance of what he did for you. Because you're remembering your repentance. The moment you said, regardless of what society and people have done to me, as for me and my house, for this body, I will serve the Lord with everything in me. I will serve him. I will follow him. It won't be easy. I know I'll fall into conceit sometimes. I know I'll highly favor myself more than others. I know that I may not have it all figured out. I know that I won't be perfect, but I'm trying. That's what we want in the church. If you're perfect, there's another one out there that you can go to, okay? We just want folks that are trying to do it and live a repentant life. So take a moment with me before we receive these elements, and I want you to search your heart. I'm going to read to you what Paul said in Corinthians to the church of Corinth, which was experiencing the same things we experience in society now, sexual immorality, injustice, racial problems, too, to not stop since the beginning. And he's speaking to them, this church, and telling them, too, to remember. Listen to me. It's great. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A proclamation. What do you mean proclaim? Going out and telling people that Jesus died? Yeah, you can do that. Why? Because he came back. He is the comeback king, right? He came back. That was for you. Matt, that's for you. He came back so you can go out with hope and proclaim his death because of what he helped happen in your life, okay? What He help make happen in your life? So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup and, and, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That you're not taking it for granted, you're using it for what it means in your life, okay? Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So as you have these elements in your hand, thank you, Dr. Dre. la da you have these things in your hand. Yes, grape juice, oyster crackers. I get it. But listen, every time you eat, we say grace. We say thank you, right? Because we're remembering that he is enough. He always has been and always will be enough. And outside of him, we don't need it. All of it is just bonus, Okay, But when you have this bread in your hand, you're reminded of his body that was broken so that yours may be whole. When you have this cup in your hand of grape juice, nonetheless, yes, it is symbolic of his blood that was spilled for you so that you could have eternity with him. So before we do this, close yourselves in for just a moment and examine your heart. Ask yourself, am I in the right place with him? Am I in the right place with him? Is there sin that I know of or even that I don't know of in my heart? Right now, I ask for forgiveness. I repent once again. I remember my repentance. Maybe today's the first time you're doing that. And I turn to him. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to identify with your broken body and your spilled blood that we have a chance to be redeemed. But not just for us being redeemed, but we can also be redemption for others. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that we have salvation, that we can repent, that we can ask for forgiveness, and that we can walk with you. Though not perfect, we still get to walk with you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. So take this bread in your hand. And what I want you to do is you begin to take this bread today. Not yet, but when you begin to take this, I want to gather it for you. To your heart and mind, and this is form of a small prayer, what does God need to put back together for you? Where is your body broken? Where, where are you, your mind, body, spirit broken that he can heal today, okay? What is it that you want him to do in your life? You know, it's not a selfish desire. It's talking to your father. What do you want him to fix and to put back together? Because as we crush the bread in our teeth, we're reminded of his body that was broken so that we may be whole, all right? Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you that it was broken so that we may be whole and that we may be complete. So we receive your healing today. Mind, body, spirit, all of us, we receive your healing. Relationships, whatever it is, we receive your healing today as we partake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Partake with me. And Lord, we do thank you for this cup this morning of the covenant. Not a commitment, but of the covenant. Not an agreement, not a handshake, not a conversation, but the covenant, a covenant that was written with your blood, the blood of the sacrificial lamb of God, the once and for all sacrificial lamb of God that died for our sins. That every day as we continue to walk, we ask for for that forgiveness. As we walk with you, we continue to turn toward you. We continue to walk with you, and we remember our repentance. We remember the day that we began to walk with you. God, we thank you so much that we are in relationship with you and that we have eternity with you. We partake together in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we conclude this service together this morning, I want you to stand with me and uh, if you haven't had reason before to worship, you do now, and just thank God for his goodness in your life. Thank him for the provision that he has. Thank him for his, for his son's body that was broken and his blood that was spilled. So please stand with me this morning, and let's finish our time together in a song of worship. During this time, if you'd like to pray for anything, we'll be here for you to do that, or even after service as well. All right? Thank you. the valley of dry bones the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry he asked me son of man Can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy. Speak to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign, meaning set apart, Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and you will and cover you with skin. I, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, as I was speaking to these bones, there was a noise a rattling sound in the bones, but there was bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord who is set apart says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, I spoke to them again and he commanded me and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Let's say Morgantown. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord, the one who set apart, says, my people, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will be my people. Then they will know I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. People look down high street all the time and just see bones. They look at you and they see bones. But God looks at you and he sees tendons. He sees skin. He sees heart. He sees hope. He sees you as the hope. And then he sees you speaking to other dry bones. But isn't that the town drunk? Yep, sure is. He sits on the front row now. Wasn't she caught up in prostitution? Absolutely. Third row. Loves hospitality. Serves every Sunday. Wasn't that that person that suffered with their sexual identity for years, Sure. life, but now they have life. You're the church. He's putting you in a place where you can breathe and speak life into others, but you got to choose to do it. You may be the only thing, the only person holding back full restoration in somebody's life. That should be sobering. That should be convicting. Because if it's my problem, I'll be honest with myself and where I screw up and get through it, you do the same. Because God is moving us. And God wants to move upon us and amongst us and through us. But you got to purge your heart and get ready. saddest thing you ever want to say when you get to the end of your life is what could have been. The last thing you want to live with is regret that you didn't do what you should have done. That's it. You don't want that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're not created for that. That's not right. That's not God's plan. God's plan is wholeness in Him. Fullness in Him. If you're dry bones, He wants to give you some tendon. He wants to give you some flesh. He wants to give you some skin. He wants to put his heart inside of you, and he wants to breathe life into you. Why? So that you, the church, can do the exact same on High Street, Main Street, your hallway, your home, everywhere. Dry bones will live again if you want them to. That's on you. I've given everything to it. I know already. I, I'm done. I'll just die here. You know what I mean? It's just it is, it is what it is. In a good way, because we've had nothing but favor in our lives ever since we've come here. But what I'm saying is this. It's up to you. It's up to you. So Lord, this morning, by your spirit, your Holy Spirit, the only one who convicts and it sticks, the only one who, who challenges us and we will really genuinely listen to. We put aside our fears, our failures, all of those things. We put aside the past and we look to the one who holds the future and we say, amen. But how are these bones gonna come? I don't know, I don't know. It's not for me to know. It's for me to be obedient with the knowledge that I have and I will do that, we will do that. Holy Spirit, strongly convict us. Strongly convict us in the deepest parts of our heart to be what you've called us to be and not put anything aside. Strongly convict us to go into culture and to be culture, to be the church again, to be Jesus that was known to be a friend to sinners. He didn't like hanging out in the synagogue as much as he loved hanging out outside the synagogue. Synagogue was not the place for him. Sitting across the table from the center was where he was supposed to live. And that's where he died. <laughs> Beside the sinners. Show us our cross. Show us our cross and convict us of it deeply, Jesus. We will pick it up and follow you. We're not afraid. We don't know all the answers, but we're not afraid. We're going to keep walking. As we do, your favor will rest upon us and you will perfect the work of our hands and you will help us. Because that's your promise. And we rest in it we have peace that surpasses, that goes beyond understanding. In Jesus' name, we have it. Jesus' name. Dry bones will live again, and they will be a testament of the one who breathed life into them. In Jesus' name. We love you.